This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Hello once again. Welcome to TJMS, as we call it, or as I call it. The Jeff Merrick Show across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360 and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, weren't on yesterday, back on today, and what a day to be on. Uh, we have a lot to wrap up from yesterday, from the weekend as well. Also, Winnipeg is playing Minnesota tonight. Ooh, juicy. Two very uh, interesting teams right now in the Central Division. We'll get to that in a couple of moments. Elliot Friedman stops by in a couple of minutes here. Uh, to kick off the program, we'll get into, um, as we called them on the podcast, Tanafin which is a uh, combination of Chris Tanev and uh, Noah Hannafin. So we'll talk about Tanevin. Also, uh, when's that Morgan Riley decision coming out? Do, 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 do. We'll talk about that. Uh, Peter Baugh from The Athletic. Normally, you know, we're used to talking to Peter about the Colorado Avalanche. He had been a beat writer for the Avs for The Athletic for a number of years. His beat now is one of the most interesting teams in the NHL, the New York Rangers. Uh, so we'll talk about the uh, great stadium series game uh, against the New York Islanders. That one delivered. How about Matt Rempe in that one? Has five has has a five minute fighting major before he has any time on ice. Never done before, and we've never seen a rookie make his debut uh, in an outdoor game. But there it was on Sunday. The Rangers, by the way, tonight will face off against the Dallas Stars. Juicy Junior, that one is juicy. So a ball coming up at the bottom of the hour. Hour two should be a real interesting one. If you've ever heard me or Elliot or both of us talk to Adam Oates, uh, you know the conversations are riveting, interesting uh, for some other trainers and maybe coaches. Annoying. Like... People in and around Adam Oates' orbit. Now, Adam is one of the premier hockey trainers in the world, period. And he has a lot of very, very strong opinions on a lot of things. And I consider Adam as far as... As far as hockey training and as far as how his mind works for hockey, I consider Adam Oates a genius. I really do. And I don't think I'm in the minority on that either. Put it this way. People around Adam Adam Oates' orbit... Call him Goatsy, not Oatsy, Goatsy. So these are always fascinating conversations. I want to talk to him about coaching. I want to talk to him about skills. I want to talk to him about equipment, specifically stick blades, and why the majority of stick blades, according to Adam Oates in the NHL, are wrong. Also, we'll talk about Austin Matthews and his shot. And if we get time, park a little bit of a conversation with uh, him talking about Connor Bedard, like his thoughts on players, technique, equipment, all of it. I, I know I'm really maybe overhyping this, but Oates is one of the most interesting players in the NHL universe. Um, and I very much look forward to this. We're going to get a lot of really interesting discussions with Oatsy coming, or sorry, Goatsy coming up in hour two. Phil Bork stops by as well. Man, how much of a, uh, as much as that was a victory lap for Yarmir Yager over the weekend in Pittsburgh, I mean, the only thing they could have done better was the Penguins win against the Los Angeles Kings. We'll get into the Penn situation in a second. But a lot of what you saw on the weekend revol- revolving around Yarmir Yager was all put together by Phil Bork. I mean, he was the one that, you know, flew to Czechia to extend the olive branch uh, to Yarmir Yager in the first place if you recall last year at the winter classic Elliot and I sat down with Phil Bork hotel lobby before the game and we talked about you know his career and the Penguins and then we started talking about Yager when he talked about the Jersey retirement and going to to Czechia and the Olive Branch and bring him back into the mix and the thaw not just like not just the thaw between the Pittsburgh Penguins and Yager but also the thaw in Yager himself 
Like even over the weekend, you saw Yager talk about how, you know, he wasn't always the best person in the world and wasn't the easiest person to deal with. Like very much so. He had that reputation. You know, anybody that dealt with, with Yager, I can remember, you know, people complaining in Washington, why won't this guy even do line rushes and warm up? And Yager saying, look, I was so focused and so committed and so dedicated, you know, playing hockey was the only thing that really mattered to me at all. At the exclusion of having friends, being a social person, maybe basic niceties and politeness. But as Phil will tell you when he joins in in hour two here, um, there's been a real thaw in Yager himself. I mean, expanded vision, greater perspective, that all comes with age and Yager is no different. But Phil's going to talk to us about how Yarmir Yager is a much different person and listen if you saw him speak heard him speak yes you heard the f-bomb with uh, phil and josh and josh gets off and yarmir yager on sunday that was a that was a nice treat but he is in a more comfortable place in his life and as far as place in his life i think everybody outside of the people in the hockey hall of fame that is really do believe that the hockey hall of fame should waive the mandatory three-year period after retirements and just get him in the Hockey Hall of Fame now. As we've pointed out countless times, Elliot has talked about this for a while. Uh, the only reason that Yager is still playing hockey with Cladno is to literally save that franchise. Is to keep that franchise afloat because the feeling is the moment that he quits, that that franchise goes down with him. He is playing to keep that thing alive. So talking to Phil Bork, coming up in hour two, Adam Oates will stop by, Peter Baugh on the Rangers. But joining us now... To tell us why the NHL is taking its time on the Morgan Riley appeal. It's Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Fridge. Good morning. How, good afternoon. How are you doing? <laughs> you know where you are, Elliot Friedman. It is uh, Tuesday, February the twentieth. Um, yeah. Hey, what's the uh, what's the hold up? What's the hold up with uh, with uh, the Morgan Riley appeal? Or, or sorry, I shouldn't say what's with the hold up. Is there a hold up with the Morgan Riley appeal? You know what? I'm not sure i actually sent a note about it this morning and i haven't gotten any response um you know i like it's it's supposed to be 72 hours and you know someone suggested to me that you know maybe that has something to do with the fact that yesterday was a holiday but i don't have Mm -hmm. any confirmation on that like i to be honest i don't know but i did send a note this morning and i haven't really received a clear answer so I'm in the same holding pattern as everybody else. Okay, we uh, we circle the tower on that one. Um, a couple of things. Um, a little bit later on, I'm going to talk to Adam Oates about Austin Matthews, amongst other things, and how Austin Matthews shoots and that goal last night. Uh, against a, or yesterday afternoon, rather, against the St. Louis Blues. It brought his goal total now to 49. Uh, we've talked about it on the podcast. We've talked about it elsewhere. You've mentioned it in various stops along the way. Do you have a thought on what we're seeing with Austin Matthews? I mean, you, you were making the case on the podcast for MVP if he gets to 70 and, you know, joins that collection of Gretzky's and yep. Mews and Curry's and Hull's and Bernie Nichols, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, what, what are we seeing here with Austin Matthews right now? Well, the one thing about MVP is if you look at it historically, Jeff, if you score 70 goals, uh, you win MVP or the person who sets you up scores wins MVP or somebody else yeah. um, wins MVP who's around 70 goals. Like the the last two guys to score 70 in this league were uh, McGilney and Solani. And that year, who was the MVP? It was Lemieux at 69 and 60 games. 
So, like, if you are in that neighborhood, you win. Like, it's pretty much that. Or somebody has to do something pretty incredible to beat you. Um, so that's mm-hmm. why I say that. Like, to me, actually, Jeff, the impressive thing yesterday wasn't only the one he score, scored, but the one he nearly scored on, on the breakaway uh, early in the game. Mm-hmm. And that was a like, – like, he's got – this is not a league right now. Like in the NBA, you either score a three-point shot or you score close to the basket. In the NHL, you generally score close to the net. He's, um, you know, he's probably the most lethal shooter that we have seen away from the net in quite some time. Maybe like maybe maybe Pete Stamkos um, might be the next closest. Yeah. Um, you know, Adam could probably answer that since he trains with Stamkos too. Um, but mm-hmm. like I, I like that's the, to me the most incredible thing about it is he's scoring at an incredible rate, the way a lot of people don't score anymore in this league. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Line, we could throw into that conversation uh, yep. as well. Line scores uh, from distance, but you're right. Like you, you can count on one hand the amount of players that consistently score from distance. By the way, I went up by asking about Morgan Riley. Um, do you think the Maple Leafs might secretly be hoping that the NHL commissioner adds some games under Morgan Riley's suspension? 4-0 and without uh, Morgan Riley in the lineup, Elliot. You know, it's so funny. I think a lot of people who are in, like, Leaf fans were really worried about that, about, like, how what a disaster are we going to be without him in the lineup? And they played uh, really well. Now, some people might chalk that up to opposition, uh, but look, I mean, all you can do is uh, win the games on your schedule, and and how many of those games, two against St. Louis and Anaheim and Philadelphia, have the Maple Leafs been absolutely leaking defensively? I think they've actually played quite well. I wonder, like, you know what? Uh, like, I wonder if it's like, as a practical joke when he's eligible to return to the team. Um, like they they put Scratch. his stall like out yeah they put his stall like out in the hallway or something like that. <laughs> give him a different number, yeah. Give him like a, a race car number, like you get a training camp. Um, okay, oh, yeah. you so have to wear the, the, uh, the, have to now... wear the different sweater, uh, different sweater, the different colored jersey <laughs> that says you're not one of the top six. Hey, what's the what's the old saying? You never change a winning lineup. Like, okay, like Morgan, we That's love right. you and all that, but uh, you know, sorry, you know, you, you can't change a winning lineup here. Uh, what did you make of Vancouver, Minnesota yesterday? Like, on the one hand, I say to myself, uh, if you score seven goals, you should probably win a game, unless the other team scores ten. In this case, uh, three hat tricks in this one, Minnesota, Vancouver, making headlines for just an old-fashioned, big, dumb, stupid sloppy, I don't know what that was, hockey game? Well, I, I, you know, I, I think yesterday was, was just a hilarious day, like a really fun day in the NHL. All of the unique, um, all of the unique debuts, you know, Morelli from Vegas, yeah. 28 years old, uh, Riffi from Toronto, 25 years old, uh, Brazo from Boston, and he scored two, like undrafted player, the Arizona goalie who played his first game and, um, you know, he had yeah. the Oilers down after two periods. Alex Petrovic played his first game in five years. I mean, it was a, it was a really wild day uh, yesterday, really wild day. Like that one, uh, that reminded me of the one between Toronto and Detroit. What was that, the 10-9 game a couple of years ago? It was oh, just that's that, right. Yeah, like yeah, It was yeah. just one of those games where no matter who you put into the net, 
they weren't going to be able to stop anything. Yeah. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you this. The, the, the thing I really liked was talk it uh, post-game. Like, the Canucks fans are wild about the penalties, and I'm sure he wasn't wild about the penalties either, but he wasn't allowing them to make an excuse. He says, look, like, you can blame the referees or you can make lazy or you can stop yourself from making lazy plays. And I guarantee you 100% that Talkett was probably was not in agreement with all those calls. But he didn't want to hear any excuses. Yeah. And I think that's what the best coaches do. You want to make excuses? That's for private. Um, we, have to take, yeah. we have to take care of ourselves. You know, it was an interesting weekend for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, that game, I mean, albeit it's a it's a it's a loss um, against the Winnipeg Jets on Saturday. But I mean, you were there, Hockey Night in Canada, Saturday night, nightcap game. That was awesome. That was, that was a, a great really game. great hockey game, Elliot. You know, it rivaled only by the Islanders and the New York Rangers on Sunday at MetLife at the uh, at the the stadium series. But that Vancouver uh, Winnipeg game, we'll see Winnipeg in action here against Chex Notes. Oh, look, the Minnesota Wild. Uh, we'll get there in a second. But do you have a quick thought on what we saw Saturday between Vancouver and the Winnipeg Jets? Just a great three periods of hockey. Well, I'm sure both those coaches are wondering where that was yesterday. Uh, you know, talk. Obviously, Vancouver yeah. gave up ten, and Winnipeg lost six three. And Bonus was really unhappy uh, with the way that that yeah. game was played by the Jets. And I, I saw his quotes this morning that he's, he says there's going to be some changes tonight, and he won't tell anybody what they are. So, um, you know, that is one thing about the Jets. I think for a lot of the last couple of weeks, they've kind of gotten away from what was working for them, and he's going to shock them back into it, or at least try to. But that was that was a great game on Saturday night. That was a playoff game. That was nasty, competitive, uh, a lot of talent, yeah. um, but mean. Like that was that was what you see in the playoffs. Great game. Uh, it was okay. So you mentioned um, Rick Bonus and not mentioning what the lineup changes are. I don't know if they're going back in history to to find Ogie Oglethorpe uh, and bring him in. But tonight it is. Uh, a meeting that we've been waiting for for a while, going back to a certain Cole Perfetti, Ryan Hartman uh, incident. Uh, it is the Minnesota Wild facing off against the Winnipeg Jets. Man, it, you know what? You know what's weird about that, Elliot? It was only a couple of weeks ago, and it feels like it was a million years ago that yeah. we were all, you know, well, outraged at what Perfetti said then. and talked about on the ice. <laughs> so much has happened uh, yeah. in the, uh, the drama-filled NHL. Uh, what do you expect tonight? Like, there's listen. We've talked about this. One of the undercover great rivalries in the NHL right now is Minnesota and Winnipeg. They have great games. There's a lot of talent on both sides, and they really dislike each other. Like, it is intense. I know Evanson's not part of the mix anymore. Uh, and, man, when he was behind the bench, he was part of it, too, with Rick Bonus. But these two teams really can't get along to the delight of both fan bases, Elliot. And probably everybody else who's watching. And you know that, and, and the stakes will be high for this one because Minnesota's in a battle for the playoffs, and Bonus is clearly in an yeah. ornery mood for how you know how they're playing. And you know, again, I, I sometimes I think that um, you know we you know we get very excited about these kinds of games, and obviously because it's a rivalry and everything that happened last last game. I generally think, and sometimes, and maybe I'll be proven wrong tonight. But sometimes we sit there and say, oh, boy, what's going to happen? And nothing happens. Now, I, I, would, I just think there's so much on the line for this game tonight. It's such a big game for both teams. I think it will be an emotional firecracker. But, you know, generally I think that, you know, teams now 
they're very careful about, like especially with the Riley suspension, about how revenge and, and retribution was mentioned in that video uh, and made very clear that that was the reason for the harsh suspension. So I think the you old know, teams yeah. will be aware of that. Like, don't do anything stupid. And we've got a game to win, and that's the most important thing. But if it's 6-1 to one in the third period, Elliot, what then? Well, again, don't do anything stupid because <laughs> the league – look, if you look at the suspension to Perron, who third. had one, fi- one fine, and you had yeah. the suspension to Riley yeah. with no history, um, the league has made it very clear that retribution or yeah. revenge, it doesn't matter what your history is, we're going hard at that. Just trying to start a fire, Elliot. Work with me here. Like, just give me the pack of matches. Just trying to, you know, like, trying to, trying, trying to sell a like hockey the, ticket you're, here, Elliot. You like the caveman that discovered <laughs> fire ten, ten thousand years ago? What's this? Oh, this fire, good. Um, okay, uh, so I think you really stumbled into something here accidentally, as you know, most great, most great inventions are accidents. I think you came up yeah. with a great one inadvertently on the podcast. What is the update with Tanafin? A combination of Chris Tanev and Noah Hannafin. What's up with Tanafin? Yeah, I, I don't know that there's anything new. I know, like I said, I, I think Calgary's waiting to see if someone will go to a first-rounder on Tanev. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they're, you know, uh, I'm sure he'd like it to be over. But I think that either yeah. a first-rounder or something comparable. And I think they're going to hold until that they see if that happens. Um, you know, so that's where I think that is. You know, Hannafin, that one has really started to develop over the past week. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think, I, again, I think teams are really starting to get into that one and see, you know, what, like, Calgary's going to wait to see there and say, how can we get the best price for this? And, you know, I'm sure the players would like it to be over. I'm sure the organization would like it to, to be over in a lot of ways. But, Sometimes you just yeah. you have to let the pressure points build before you do anything. Uh, scale of 1 to 10. I've tried this before with you and never been able to get you to bite, but we're talking about Tampa after all. Scale of 1 to 10, what is the concern meter for the Tampa Bay Lightning? Um, they get pounded by the Florida Panthers on Saturday at home. Statement game by the Florida Panthers last night. Uh, you really got to hand it to the Ottawa Senators uh, who you know go in there last night. Matthew Joseph was fantastic in that game. Uh, yeah. And Tampa loses... Again, like if you thought that they were going to come out and blast the team, you know, you would think it would be Ottawa after that shellacking at the hands of the Florida Panthers, but not so fast. And you look at the standings and, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're uh, 57 games, 65 points. Uh, They don't have games in hand on anybody. Everybody has games in hand on on them. them. Is there reason for concern? Yeah. Any reason for concern around Tampa? Well, you know, the one thing I look at with Tampa is the same thing I kind of look at. I've said a little, a little bit about Toronto. Now, Toronto's played really well. You know, Toronto's a funny team. Like, they play well when you most think they're going to play terribly. Um, but, you know, like, yeah. for example, without Raleigh this week, they've been, they've been really good. And not only have they won games, but they've played very, very well. These haven't been two victories. Tampa, to me... Um, like, like, and one of the things I say about Toronto is for a team that doesn't have a lot in the cupboard, I think that's what they're really careful about is they've got a couple of really nice young 
either you know players or picks, like the one first rounder, and they just want to be really careful about it. Um, I think with Tampa, I'd be asking the same questions. You know, Tampa has traded a lot of their capital to win Stanley Cups and to get back to the final, and I completely agree with it. I would do the same thing. But eventually you reach a point yeah. where you're sitting in there and you're saying, do we want to do that again? And I just feel right now, like if I was Tampa, I don't know if this would be the year I'd be gambling on. Now, I understand that not everybody sees the world the same way I do. And uh, market pressures can dictate what you decide to do. But, like, I look at Tampa right now, and I know they have a lot of great players there, but I don't know. I, like, I would be looking at it and saying, I might, this might not be the year that I would be trading what I have left to run for the Stanley yeah. Cup. I just, I just don't know if they have it this year. We'll see. Again, I've, um, I've been proven wrong betting against Tampa. So yes, I don't do 100%. It anymore until until I'm completely um, proven right about it. But let's see. I mean, listen, the, the interesting thing about Tampa is, let me just take it one tiny step further. The interesting thing about the Tampa Bay Lightning is it's not as if they're coming off a Stanley Cup final appearance or a conference final or anything like that. They're coming off a first-round exit. Now, I don't know if the playoff spot's going to be in jeopardy here for Tampa, depending on what happens. Who knows? We'll see what happens the remainder of the season. But, you know, we've seen teams tumble before. You know, they're not coming off of great heights. They're coming off a first-round loss. Does that, you think, complicate anything for Tampa? I think think it does a little bit. Um, You know, like, you're right. Like, I do look at that. That's why I look at points percentage more than I look at points. Um, and because Same. of the games not being equal. And you're right, everybody around them has games in hand. You know, the thing is, though, you've got to win those games. And a lot of those teams that are on the bubble yeah. are on the bubble for a reason, because they don't win all those games. But, you know, for me, uh, like the one, thing, the one thing I always wonder about is when you, when you think you have all-world goaltending. And... Like, Vasilevsky is an all-world goalie. He's going to the Hall of Fame someday. Um, But this year, I've seen a few games, Jeff, where he just looks... Like, in that first round last year against Toronto, he looked vulnerable. And, you know, then he had surgery, and he missed some time this year. And at times this year, he's looked vulnerable. And that's what I would be making my decision on if I was the Tampa Bay Lightning, is how do I feel about Vasilevsky? If I think he's still the guy who can take us to the Stanley Cup final, then then maybe I take mm-hmm. the chance. But like if you don't if you think for whatever reason he can't get it together this year, I don't think I'd be doing it. But only they can decide yeah. how they view him in goal. Absolutely. Okay, uh, a couple more things to wrap up here. Uh, Dallas Stars calling up Logan Stankoven, second-round draft pick uh, from the Western Hockey League. Him and Maverick Bork always, you know, considered, you know, their two prime blue chippers next to step into the NHL. We'll see what happens here with Maverick Bork. Um, we wonder if Stankoven steps in tonight as the Dallas Stars face off against the New York Rangers. That could be an outstanding game this evening. Going to talk to Peter Baugh about that coming up in a couple of moments. But this is sort of a, a preamble. Uh, one, you've written about Bork and Stankoven and you know how Dallas needs to eventually find a way for them to get in. 
you know, maybe yep. the Matt Deshane injury sort of opens the door here for Stankoven. Um, and, you know, uh, are the Dallas Stars, when you look at them right now, I mean, we all know who the top three are going to be in the Central. Colorado's there, Winnipeg's there as well. But as we sit here on February 20th, are they the best team in the Central Division, period? Despite all the injuries and everything, are they the best team in the Division, period? I think so. I think they're the deepest team, uh, top to bottom. Um, uh, so, you know, I would say that I would say yes. I still think they're going to add. I still think they're looking to add a right shot D. They've definitely been in on Tanev, and even though Hannafin's a lefty, you said that they like him too. Um, yep. But you yep. know, I'm, I'm, I, I think it's tougher for the forwards to get in there. Like I think there's a lot of teams that would have had Stankoven and Bork up already. But a, they're trying to win, and yeah. b, they're really deep up front. But I'm, I'm excited to see this tonight. You know, the other one I'm kind of wondering about tonight. I don't know that it's going to happen. Uh, uh, the Canucks are being kind of quiet about it. But is our Steve Baines? Um, you know, they didn't play yes. very well yesterday. Uh, when you lose yeah. those kinds of games, um, when you lose those kinds of games, you you make changes sometimes. And they're playing again tonight. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's going to be in. But it, like, if we get to see the debut of Stan Coven and the, and, and the debut of Baines tonight, I think it'd be a pretty fun night for a lot of people. And, you know, I think the other thing, too, is like obviously culturally, a player like Baines would have a huge impact in a, in a city like Vancouver and Canucks Nation. So totally. that adds another yes. level to that story. Absolutely, 100%. Um, tonight, we'll see the Los Angeles Kings back in action. They'll face off against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So this is the, the last game on the schedule this evening. What an interesting weekend for the Kings it was. Uh, overtime against the Boston Bruins on Saturday afternoon. A gorgeous goal by Brant Clark uh, in, in that one. So they knock off the Bruins. And then they beat the Penguins on Yager Day slash Yager Night. Where are you at on the Kings right now? Like after what we just saw on the weekend, taking down the Penguins on Yager night or Yager day, and then beating the Boston Bruins on Saturday afternoon, the way that they did. What's happening with the Kings right now? Well, I give them a lot of credit. Uh, After that game with Buffalo, you have a coaching change. You try, you have that great win against Edmonton. And then you absolutely lay an egg like they did against Buffalo. You're going in one of two directions, right? And they, they beat the yep. Devils, and, and they beat the Penguins. And, uh, and an emotional night, like a night where everything is set up for you to lose, and you're losing one nothing pretty late into the game. So like, everything is set up for you to lose that game, and you win. And then, as you mentioned, the win yesterday. Um, you know, I, I, I've always liked dealing with Jim Hiller in my time. He's waited for this opportunity. And... I think what the last few games have taught you about it is that initially he's got their attention. Like they're, they're buying what he yeah. is selling. And uh, I give those, like, like I'll tell you this, like one thing, one decision I think the Kings are going to be very interested. I'm very interested to watch is, is Matt Roy. Like they, he's a UFA. Yeah. Conventional wisdom is yeah. you move your UFAs, but he's a good player for them. And if they're serious about, wanting to do something in the playoffs this year, they're going to need a guy like that. Like, like I look at Vegas, mm-hmm. Vegas has got some big UFAs. I think they're just going to go for it and punt it all into the summer. If Florida doesn't get these guys signed, I think they're going to punt it and, and go into the summer. Like, 
I, I like to me, if I'm the Kings, uh, unless you get a great offer, not what a rental is going to get you. I'm probably going to do the mm-hmm. same thing. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to punt it in on the summer. Figure it out later. Okay, let me close on this one. So uh, Phil Bork's coming up in hour two. This gives me a chance to ask you about Yager. Um, yeah. In his excellent book, and this book is fantastic, written with Josh Yowie, uh, If These Walls Could Talk, Stories from the Pittsburgh Penguins, Ice, Locker Room, and Press Box. Here's part of what he writes about Yager. The one thing that really got him through was how much he loved being at the rink. I've never seen anything quite like it. Every day Yager came to the rink was Christmas morning for him. I don't know if that speaks volumes on where he came from at that time, or maybe he was just in love with the game that much. It was something to see. Sunday was something to see. The whole weekend was something to see for the Pittsburgh Penguins and Yarmir Yager. It's been a couple of days uh, to reflect and think about Yager and his place in history, his place with the Penguins. 68 goes to the rafters. You've made the point about the Hall of Fame and, and waving the three-year period. Um, after what you saw on the weekend, any new takeaways from Yager? Because the, the, the one thing that I want to get into with Phil later on is just how how much more at peace Yager seems to be with himself. You remember even dealing with Yager and the nature of I was cranky and, and angry and, you know, dismissive when he played. I mean, he referenced that and said he was just so focused that things like, you know, social niceties take a back seat. You know, mm-hmm. Bork, you know, talks a lot about how he's a different person now. Are there any new takeaways for you with Yager after the weekend? Well, I, I think that it's it's a reminder well, first of all, I just thought it was a great weekend. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, it was awesome. You know, first of all, it's just a reminder that uh, that uh, what's the, I think it was Mark Twain who said it: "Youth is wasted on the young." Um, like just Correct. you know how much how much more we understand about life simply with experience. Um, and and like I think that about Yager, like you, you think about you're a fifth overall pick, you come to a country, you don't know the language. I think the thing that we we kind of forget about too now with the world being the way as connected as it is, is how cut yeah. off like that part of the world was from everybody else for such a long time. You know, like in, in 1990, you know, you know, Russians and uh, Eastern Europeans were still so much of a mystery to us in North America, and we were to them because it had been cut off mm-hmm. for so long. So I, I think people forget what a challenge that is. But and I spoke to this about you on the pod yesterday. I actually, you know, I do think about this a little bit more now, Jeff. You know, I'm 53 now. I know I'm closer to the end of my career than at the beginning. And in a lot of ways, those a lot of us in sports media, and we're seeing it now, we're very similar to the athletes we covered. We don't often get to write our own endings. Often someone makes that yeah. decision for us. And it leads to hurt yep. feelings, and it leads to burn bridges. And what I think that um, this Yager and Pittsburgh situation is a reminder of is that time can heal a lot of wounds. Now, some of us hold grudges for a very long time, and it can be very hard to heal those wounds, but it doesn't mean that it can't uh-huh. happen. And that's the thing I remember. Yeah. Like I, I remember times there are people in Pittsburgh who really um, were angry at Yager, and Yager was really angry at Pittsburgh. I think if uh, if, if a relationship is as beneficial and as great as that one was, Yager was great for Pittsburgh, yeah. and Pittsburgh was great for Yager. Eventually, you come around, and that's what this is. Because 
like I think about that not all the time, but like whenever there's a time of big layoffs in the industry like they are right now, I sit there and I say, yeah. you know what, that's going to happen to me someday, and uh, it's uh, oh, yeah. it, it, it makes you angry and it, it makes you bitter, and you know you have to decide how long you're going to let that happen to you for. A couple of things. Uh, one, um, even if you burn a bridge, sometimes they send a life raft. Clearly, we saw that with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And it was not Mark Twain. It was George Bernard Shaw. Here's the quote. Youth, uh. is the most precious th- youth is the most precious thing in life. It's too bad it has to be wasted on young folks. But I think what you're hinting at is one of my favorite Mark Twains. And that is, when I was 16 years old, I thought my father was the stupidest person in the world. And by the time I turned 21... It was remarkable how much he had learned. Yeah, I always loved that yes. one from Mark Twain. Yes. Well, as you know, I, I'm not exactly known for my accuracy, Jeff. So, like, I, I got that, That's like, okay. 3% right. Yes. That's okay. That's all right. Uh, you know what? Fifty percent. You're uh, you still get a passing grade. Uh, you be good. We'll uh, we'll chat. Uh, we'll chat down the road. Thanks, Elliot. Oh, good. Bye bye.